Welcome to the Addiction Solution Podcast, where we discuss how millions of people solve their addictions and move on with their lives. I'm Michelle Dunbar. Mark Sheeran, Stephen Slate, and I wrote The Freedom Model for Addictions and The Freedom Model for the Family. We have been researching addiction and helping people move past it for more than 30 years. In today's podcast episode, Mark and I will be discussing... What did we say we were discussing? Well, how people are expecting somebody oh. to change them. Yeah, are you waiting for somebody to, to fix you? We are happy to offer various ways you can learn the Freedom Model. You can get a free digital copy of our books at thefreedommodel.org. Enter coupon code FREEDOM100 at checkout. We also have a low-cost online video course called the Freedom Model Online Program. And you can get that at online.thefreedommodel.org. And there are two ways you can work one-on-one with a certified Freedom Model instructor. First, through Freedom Model Private Instruction via video conference. Or you can come and join us for three to four weeks at our beautiful, completely private St. Jude retreat. You can get information about all of our options at thefreedommodel.org. There are a whole lot of people that that come into the retreat or they start private instruction and they say things like, I really hope this works for me. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're, so, so they're, they're waiting for somebody to walk into their life and change them. They don't, they don't realize they're asking that. Uh, we get a lot of that on the, on the uh, Facebook group sometimes where, where people want support. They, want, they, they, they assume that there's something they're supposed to be doing and they want direction and they want to feel secure in their decision making because let's face it, when you're getting high all the time, you don't have much confidence in yourself, right? And also the narrative in our country in Western culture is that this is beyond your control. This That's is right. something that is that is is not really in your realm of changing. So if that's the case, then what is what is the thing that's causing you to behave in these bizarre ways, right? Is it some nebulous force that they call addiction? Is there is addiction something that happens to you? And if that's the case, then there has to be something external to you to, that's going to protect you. And so there's all these ideas that sort of sprout from the fact that people believe that they're out of control. Right. And the other part of this is <clears throat> loved ones you know, will send people to the retreat or they'll sign people up, they'll find us. And they'll see that we're a little bit different, but they still hold on to that notion that that we're going to fix their loved one. Yeah, that's it. that's such a an insidious thing too. Um, and people come here if they've been to rehab, they really think, yeah, I I need somebody to walk in my life right now, and. Uh, I hope that you have the thing, the missing link that you're yeah. going to tell me, what do I do to get past this problem? And that that's wrapped up in this concept that recovery protocols or processes or steps or there's some sort of therapy where you do something and then that renders you protected from the addiction. Yeah. And... A lot of times it's not framed that way, but that's the implication. You know, people really think that there's something they have to be doing to stave off this force. 
But again, it's not it's not framed that way usually. That nobody wants to say, yeah, we believe in this fake nebulous force called addiction, and, and you know they're not going to frame it that way. They're going to say, you need help. You can't do it on your own. That's right. You need um, treatment. You need somebody to to make you stop to behave in the way that they think or deem is best, which is to abstain. So they're going to corral you with fear and then force you into abstinence. And and that doesn't really fare very well with people. They they, they don't like being forced or coerced or manipulated no. to behave in any way. Um, but at the same time, they want somebody to tell them how to live. So uh, it's, it's interesting because people will go to rehab expecting to be fixed, and then when they get there, they rebel at the thought <laughs> of, you know, this counselor's telling me how to live. They just took my cell phone away. They're treating my, me like a captor, like I'm in jail. Like a child. Yeah. Yeah. And and I, I get this all the time at the retreat because we don't do any of that. No. Right? At the St. Jude retreat, I don't take your cell phone away. I don't, I've never done that, you know? And... uh and they're and they say, I can't believe that you're not, you're not, you know, taking my stuff away, and you're not searching my bags. And I said, Listen, you're gonna do what you're gonna do. I, you know, the place has to be safe. But, but the truth of the matter is, if I if I give you the opportunity to do the right thing, you'll probably do it. And that's been true for thirty two years. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, at this retreat, ninety five percent of the people that come here do the right thing. You know, I and and you know, they're here for the right reasons. They've made a personal investment, and and right from go, we're very, you know, very open about saying to people, we can't fix you. Yeah, even here though, mm-hmm. even with all the knowledge that's out there about what we do, you know, in the past, people may have not had the accessibility to our method and and things like that. Even with, let's say, they've read the book. Right, they've read a nearly 500-page book. They've um, they've read the website. They've listened to some of our podcasts, and and they and they realize, you know what? I need to get to the retreat to stop my life and sort of get back on my feet and really give myself a chance to do this. And they get here, and we'll have a few classes, and they'll say, you know, I I, I need to be fixed. What are you going to do that's going to fix me? I say, I do nothing. You have to learn how to change your mind. And they're that's like, really? It. That's it? I'm, I'm, I need to change my mind. Is it that simple? It is that simple, but it's not in the beginning because you have a bunch of misinformation in the way. That's it. And you have, I mean, you have this belief system about addiction and you may not believe all of it, but even if you believe a small part of it, even if you believe, you know, the idea that there is there, that I can't, you know, that it's hard to, to change a habit. Even if you believe that there's, um, you know, a lot of people hang on to certain little, little things about addiction, and they'll say, you know, I don't, I don't believe in addiction, the disease. But there are people that can't drink like other people. Yeah. You know, and if you have any of that belief system, that will undermine you, and that'll make it hard for you. And then you have this belief system about substances, where that they do these magical, wonderful things. And you think that they relax, help you to relax and help you with your trauma and help you when you have a fight with your husband and help you with all of these things. I can't do any of that stuff. But if you hold on to those beliefs, then you're going to struggle, right? The things that you think it's doing for you. And then you have a belief about yourself and that maybe you're 
not like other people that maybe you're just maybe you struggle with with certain you know maybe you're just kind of a a sad person or maybe you're an anxious person and you have these these beliefs about who you are but they don't have to be written in stone that's right you you can change so so let's switch gears here so why do you think people are so attached to the idea that they need somebody to change them why or or why is that an attractive option you know because treatment's a 45 billion dollar industry it takes a whole lot of people to voluntarily leave their homes go to treatment go to an outpatient clinic go to therapy go to all these different modalities go to a rehab um, give up their rights in a lot of cases uh, have a bunch of quote-unquote professionals tell them how to live their life pay a lot of money for all of that nonsense and yet it's 45 billion dollars strong so there's got to be a lot of people volunteering for this so the question is why why go through all that well right. the answer is is because it is an attractive option initially to have somebody tell you how to live your life and but I say initially because most people will end up resenting it. <laughs> That's for sure. <laughs> right? But it usually takes a couple of rehab stays before they realize they're being coerced. And, and so I think there's an attractiveness to it because it simply takes the responsibility away from making different choices and the hard work sometimes it takes to change. Now, I got to tell you, once you realize that changing is better, there's no work involved. Yeah. Because when you're motivated based on your own internal dialogue instead of being manipulated by others, even if you allow people to manipulate you, let's say you go to AA and you get a sponsor and they tell you a bunch of shit that you just don't want to hear and you play along with it, uh, that's a lot harder to go down that path than it is to decide for yourself that you simply want to change and that you're willing to change your preference for alcohol and drugs. You're willing to challenge the benefits of what, they, what you think it provides you um, and you move forward with your life. But, but sometimes you get these people who really, really, really endlessly want to be led and that's just a tough place to be. I mean, if, if you're in that boat, you need to know that you don't have to go down that, that it really is easier to make a decision on your own. You just need the right information and change. You can change. Yeah, definitely. The, the hardest thing about doing what we do, and I, I think if there's people listening out there that are in the treatment industry, maybe maybe you've worked at a rehab for years, maybe you're a nurse at a detox, um, you know, and you, you started listening to us and you're like, wow, that makes a lot of sense. Nobody knows better than somebody that's worked with people that you can't fix someone. God, that is so true. I, I, I think in the beginning when you're, you're all fired up and you're helping people, you have this illusion that, that it's your job to save them. Yeah. You know, and... I, I think everybody, I did. We all did. Yeah, I think everybody goes through that stage, um, and it's an illusion because all change happens within the autonomous individual. That's right. But that's a nuance that most people, when you're helping others, don't understand, especially if you're in a model of coercion. Yes. 
you know, the model of coercion is if you don't do the steps, well, then you're you're just an idiot and you want to die and you're going to end up with jails, institutions, or death. That's sort of the the fear-based model. And but it's interesting. I was sitting across <laughs> the table today with one of my guests here at the retreat, and and I said, you know, my job is actually relatively easy because. I learned a long time ago that my job isn't to force people to behave in any way. I don't have to do that anymore. When I was in AA, it was all about me. It yeah. really was. I was saving my own skin. I was serving others. <laughs> and in, in, I have to give it away to keep it. Yeah, it's such an oxymoron. I have to, I have to serve others to save myself. That's not service, folks. That's right. That's right. <laughs> you know, so... It's such a ridiculous idea, but but it sounds so altruistic and so attractive, you know? I'm going to save myself in this Christian ideal, but it's really bastardized Christianity is what they did. Yeah. So um, it's meaningless, really, you know? It's, it's how you indoctrinate people into a cult like AA. So. so it's so interesting. I was just thinking when he was talking about that, that, you know, when you're— AA very is, a, is such a such an oxymoronical program because on the one hand you know you're you're powerless right you're the first step and you take it every day and you're powerless over alcohol you're powerless over drugs and then when you struggle and you go to somebody and you say I'm struggling they say don't drink and go to meetings don't drink and go to meetings right well the choice not to drink is an internal choice in your mind. And so if I'm powerless, so on the one hand, I'm supposed to accept that I'm powerless and believe that. And on the other hand, I'm supposed to make the choice not to drink and make the choice to go to meetings and make the choice to do all these things that you're telling me I have to do so I don't drink. But the first thing you're telling me I have to do is not drink. Yeah, it's, it's, I, I used to point that out. You pointed it out many times um, when we started to matriculate out of AA and we started to see the sham for what it was. Just the idea of, you know, you have to call your sponsor if you feel like drinking. <laughs> well, well if, if you feel like drinking and you call your sponsor, it's because you wanted to get on the phone and talk to your sponsor. And not drink. And not drink. So you've already done it yourself. That's there is, it. There is nobody else in there. There is no way for your sponsor. That, now, you might call your sponsor, talk to your sponsor, and then give your sponsor the credit for something that you, in, an internal dialogue that was only you. That's right. Because ultimately, you're the only one that can make the choice. This is so important for you folks to understand out there that all choices start and end with you. Yes. Yes. If you really wanted to drink, you would do it. You would not call your sponsor. Now, what we're not talking about, you know, early on when people first are making a change, um, you know, and you have this habit, and so you have these habitual thoughts and you know we're not saying that there's not some some little distractions you might do in the beginning but ultimately the choice is made in your own mind based on your personal preferences and so if you've really made it you know if you really made a decision that I am going to not drink I'm going to not drink for 30 days and but you're used to drinking every day and you're used to drinking every day at five o'clock when you get home, you're going to get home and you're going to think, ah, I usually have a drink right now. Right. And, and But let's say you had a little distraction there where you say, I'm going to go to yoga instead. Yep. Right? Even that 
is a choice. Even that is a choice. Exactly. So, so even when you have these little distractions, even when you go to your meeting, even when you play the game of, of treatment and recovery, you're still choosing You're that. choosing. You're going to give credit to the other thing you did. But yoga doesn't make people not want to drink. Right. Meetings definitely don't pe- make people not want to drink. It was the only time I thought of drinking was at the goddamn meetings, right? So... So, so you're, you made that choice before you did it. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that try, if you're going to start giving credit to an outside enterprise for the decisions you're making, just know that you're making that decision. Yeah. Take the credit for the, the mindfulness, no matter how much you're going to give credit to the sponsor, the therapy. Oh, if I didn't have my therapist, I wouldn't have make it. Do you know that? I don't think you know that because ultimately you're the one that made the choice. Now, if you are missing information, and this is really vital, to make a good decision in regards to your life and to change it, you can be in a trap. Yes. And, and it's really vital that you get the right information. So sometimes logical errors in our thinking about drinking – about drugs, the pow- the supposed powers of drugs, all these things can keep you in a state of being very, very lost for a long time, sometimes for decades. Sometimes, tragically, people die without knowing the truth. So if you're going to change your mind, if you're going to go down the path of making a personal choice, you have to know the right information to do so. You can't make choices to change based on information that don't allow it. Right. Okay. Right. So misinformation. Yeah, misinformation, which is literally nearly everything that you will learn in a rehab. That's right. Is the absolute 100% opposite of what actually will help you because they make it sound like you have to be completely subservient to recovery for the rest of your life to some outside enterprise because you're broken. Because you're weak, and and you're it's permanent. It's a it's a it's a progressive, incurable. It progresses even when you're sober. You're sober, which is bullshit. Complete, and it's hey, and it's one of the reasons why so many people in recovery, their lives still fall apart because and they and they blame that you know if you believe you're in recovery, then you still believe you're addicted, right? You still believe that you're this this broken person right you're carrying that ideology and that self-image with you everywhere you go that's right that's right and what happens is is so you're constantly looking for these outside things to make you feel better because you believe that that's what you need um and that's where a lot of people go down this road with with you know mental health and they get on a bunch of different medications and everything that happens in their life becomes attributed to well it's because I have an addictive personality or it's because I'm an alcoholic or no life can be difficult we people all people struggle all people and whether you've ever had a drug problem or not everybody struggles in life from time to time yeah you know, and it is an absolute mistake to attribute it to a, you know, a substance use problem that you ha- had 10 years ago, 20 years ago. No, I mean, so n- you're not broken and you can't be fixed from the outside. 
That's that's the point of this podcast is there's no outside thing or process that you can go do that changing is completely 100%, not 99%, not 95%, but completely 100% an inside job. It is within the confines of your mind to reframe your world. You have to do that with good information, which is why we wrote the freedom model so you don't have to wonder what the what the research actually says. And the good news is what the research tells us, what all our experience over the last 32 years of helping more than 25,000 people tells us is that you're the one who's capable to move on with your life and only you. But you got to have the right information to do so. You can't believe that you need meetings and then be an autonomous person who's going to get over the problem. If you believe you need meetings, for instance, or some support structure, what that tells you is that you believe there's something external to you that's going to change you. That You, you can't have both. You can't be an autonomous person where it's an inside job and I'm going to change my mind and I'm going to change my behaviors and I'm going to change my life and then also believe, but I need meetings and I'm weak and I need something external to me to, to addiction-proof my life. Right. You can't be external and internal. The solution can't be, I need to lean on my therapist in a support group. I need my family to support me. You have such a good support system because you're so fucking weak. You right. know, if, if somebody's telling you that nonsense, they're barking up the wrong tree. It's just not reality. So, but... But the only way to bring it inside to, your, to the realm of your mind and your decision making is to have the right information to do so. Yeah, I want to. I want to take this. Uh, I want to say this because I think it's important. You don't like intoxication. You didn't develop a habit for intoxication or strong preference for it because you were weak. You developed it because you saw benefits in it. You keep doing it because you still believe in the benefits it's giving you. You want to do it more than you don't want to do it. I, the people that I've known in my life, and I've known literally thousands of people with substance use problems. I mean, it's what I've been doing my entire, just almost my entire career. And um, those people are all incredibly strong-willed, smart, um, capable people, all of them. And, and when they want something, they go after it and they are not weak-willed people. It has nothing to do with will, which is why you don't need support not to do it. That's, that's such a great point. So you think about what she just said. You don't need willpower to stop yourself from doing something you don't want to do. When you get to the point to where you don't want to do it anymore because you don't see benefit in it, that's when cha people change. That you, you know, now, All people change that way. And now let's say that you still like it. Right. And you're at the point where you don't want to like it as much as you do. Yes. Then what you need is the, so you want to want to quit. We mm -hmm. hear that all the time. I want to want to quit. You're right there where the consequences and costs are piling up like, like stacked firewood. Your life is falling apart, but you still like getting fucked up. You still like getting high or drunk. Um, you still see benefits in doing it. That's right. On the front end and, and on the tail end, it turns into a disaster. We get all of that. Yeah. When that happens, the only thing that's going to turn the tide, that's going to break the decision making in the direction of quitting or moderating productively is going to be solid information that 
moderating or abstinence is going to be better. But it has to be solid information. So when somebody comes to the retreat, this is what happens. They come through. Within three days, they go, I get it. It's a choice. Holy shit. This all makes sense because we hit them with a whole bunch of data, right? Right up front. And then they say, I feel like going home because I, I got this. And I say, I get that. So why don't why don't you just hang out for a little bit longer because there, there are so many little points of data that I got to hit. Now, I want you to imagine that your construct in your mind of what you think addiction is is like a disco ball in your mind, in your mind, mm. in your thoughts. And each one of those little bright squares is a piece of misinformation that's developed into this shiny big disco ball in your mind. So when somebody comes to the retreat or we're working with them with Freedom Model Private Instruction or they're in the online program and we hit them with the introduction, it's like taking five or ten of those uh, squares out, smashing them. Now the disco ball's got some holes in it. So we want to eviscerate. We want to destroy the disco ball because the entire thing is a myth. Right. Okay, it's a delusion. They're delusional about things. They're, a lot of it is an illusion. Yes. And based on misinformation that we've learned through culture, through the recovery society, through treatment programs, whose incentive is to keep you in treatment the rest of your life, yada, yada, yada. So so when when they're hit with the truth, it rings so true. And then... This is what happens. The person sticks around for another week or two, and then they go, holy shit. (laughs) I can't believe all these little places where treatment jargon, where recovery uh, knowledge and misinformation has insidiously entered into my mindset. And I say, yeah, that's the disco ball, dude. (laughs) We got to pull every one of these squares out until the disco ball just falls apart and there's some key pieces and it might collapse on itself but we got to get through enough information now why am i saying this if you have the book if you have the online program if you're working with us if you're here at the retreat doesn't matter you'll all know when the disco ball shatters yes and that's when it crystallizes in your mind and all of a sudden you realize i got it I don't have to fucking drink and drug anymore. I really can move on with my life. Oh my God, I get it. I'm not afraid anymore. So the student asked me today, when will I know that? And I said, when, when you do. It'll it, be so obvious to you. You're just like, oh, I, when you're not scared anymore. You're not scared anymore. That, I, I tell you, it's, I, he, the, I had not heard the disco ball thing. I'm, I really like it. I figured that one out today. Oh my God, I well, love it. Well, last week. <laughs> I come up with these analogies we do every once in a while we're like oh my god i got another one um because i always use the matrix you know like unplugging from the matrix all of a sudden you can see the code yeah all of a sudden you're like oh and it for a lot of people it's it's incremental um there's like a little little i don't know it's like when you're trying to find a radio station and you're trying to tune it in yeah you know, yeah. and so you hear things like in your mind, you're like, oh, I think I get it. And then it, it, it is like the, like each piece of the disco ball coming out. And then all of a sudden you realize, how did I ever believe that stuff to begin with? Yeah, but you have to have enough of the actual objective truth to see it, to see the disco ball for the sham that it is. But, yeah, you know, we can we can sit here and tell you it's not a disease and it's just a choice. And people go, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And they may, they're really agreeing with us. They are agreeing with us, but they still have so many of the beliefs in place. They still don't know why they keep going back to it. Yeah. And that's the, the, 
that isn't usually just one little square on the disco ball. No. That's usually a whole disco ball that's been built over 40 years in some cases, 50 years, 60 years in some of my guest cases. And sometimes it can be done in a year where you yeah. learn enough mythology to keep you trapped. Yeah, so, so, so look at, you're not broken. There's, and if you're struggling, there's nothing outside you that can fix you. The only thing that can change your mind is you. With good information, with objective truth. Yes. And what you're talking about is changing a substance use problem is all about changing your mind about the substance, changing your preference. Yep. And then changing your relationship from it. Yep. So I think that covers it that does. today. What a, what a, God, I'm having fun. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, thank you so much for listening today. We hope you found our show informative and entertaining. If you or someone you love is struggling with a substance use problem or another habitual behavior problem and you'd like to talk with us, call 1-888-424-2626. You'll talk with Danny White. He's fantastic. He will definitely help you. To get detailed information about all of our products and services, including our books, our retreat, private instruction via video conference or our online program which consists of more than 65 video lessons go to thefreedommodel.org you can get free digital copies of the freedom model for addictions and the freedom model for the family at thefreedommodel.org and enter promo code freedom 100 at checkout follow us on social media including facebook twitter instagram linkedin and subscribe to the freedom model youtube channel you can join our private Facebook group, the Freedom Model Group, where we discuss the Freedom Model and how people can completely move past both addiction and recovery. You can join us every other Wednesday. It's actually the first and third Wednesdays of the month at 4 p.m. Eastern Time on our Facebook page and also on the Freedom Model YouTube channel. We answer your questions. Um, and if you want to send us questions, you can um, post them right in the group and we will answer them. Um, there are a few ways you can contact us by email at info at thefreedommodel.org. You can private message us through Facebook and Instagram or call us 1-888-424-2626 from everyone here at the Freedom Model and the St. Jude Retreat. We wish you well until next time.